Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Bullock, and as always, we like to talk about things related to resilience, business continuity, emergency management, crisis management, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Long-time listeners, uh, you will know that I love talking about all kinds of things uh, associated with resilience in our industry and uh, different aspects. And today is another one of those days. We're going to talk about soft skills and the importance of those. And I'd like to welcome to the show, Jason Moss. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here to talk about soft skills, our industry of resilience, and everything in between. Great. I, I just want to clarify, it's Jason Haas. It sounded like I said Moss, but I was actually saying Haas. It just came out wrong. So let me just clarify that. <laughs> That's all right. I've been called worse in uh, other times, and it's amazing how the last name can get butchered, but it's okay. <laughs> Now, I know you and I have had communications back and forth, and uh, I know what you do, but could you take a minute or two for our global listeners and tell us about yourself and what you do and how you got into this crazy industry of ours? Sure. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, first and foremost, and thank you to your your listeners for uh, watching and listening to, to me babble on. Uh, I have been in the uh, resilience industry for about 10 years or so, and like most, I didn't start out as a resilience professional. Uh, my background is a professional photographer. I own and operated a uh, vertically uh integrated business, which means we were a lab and photographers. So we were self-fulfilling. And I did that for about 20 years um, with a gaggle of partners. And uh, I eventually had uh, sold my business uh, back in Wisconsin to move out to Colorado to acquire another business. And that didn't work out so hot for me. So I pivoted into my second career of IT and it led me down to the path of resilience as COVID was starting. Uh, I had a, a leader like the way I built relationships with end users when I was doing desk side support, as in focus on um, the user and not so much the technology, understand how they interact and how they use or abuse the technology, then craft solutions for them. And, uh, that uh, perked the interest of a leader when they had an open role in continuity disaster recovery. I was tapped to apply for that role, and uh, I was lucky enough to be awarded it. And uh, the rest is kind of history with me on that. It's It's been a, a wild journey. It's not something I ever expected to be in. Yeah, that uh, that seems to be uh, the the journey of many of us is you know, unexpected, but here we are. You know, and it, it is great. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I love it. You know. Me too. I, I, I kind of wish I would have uh, known about it uh, a lot earlier, um, but I know I've been practicing it pretty much all of my life. I just never knew what it was actually called. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we have been doing this for a long time. and We use it in our everyday life, but we don't know it. Right. We're doing that. 
it, it just comes to a point for a lot of people naturally. You know, we always want to survive and persevere, do better, push for change. And those are all, you know, concepts of, of resilience. So it's very interesting to see how our profession has changed and grown and gained, so to speak, in popularity where, you know, there's numerous job postings for it out there. Organizations are starting to see the value. It's not just a cost center, but it's when things get really tough where they realize that their investment into resilience or business continuity or disaster recovery, whatever you really want to call it, has been really crucial and and important yeah yeah i i tell people that you know you don't even know it but you do use continuity in your everyday life have you ever driven to work or the local corner store and you find a roadblock or an accident and you find your way around it that's your contingency you're actually right. doing it. you don't even know you're doing it but that is contingency so. Right. It, just like when I, I first moved to Colorado, it was to acquire a business, you know, at day 88 of day 90, when the contract was going to be invoked, it got blown up. It happens. It was absolutely devastating. Now I have no income. I'm in a new state and I dragged my family out here. I'm in a, a sticky situation. So at that point, you just, you figure it out. You just know that you can't fail and that you accept it for what it is. You can't change the past. So you just push forward. You don't accept things at face value and you just always find a way to persevere. And for that, you know, I just, I had to dig down deep and it was challenging and it was, you know, mentally stressful, but, you know, I stood up my own, I resurrected more like my own business and I did aerial, aerial data acquisition. There's the word. And uh, with uh, drone type platforms, did that for a while to provide income until I was able to find a different uh, opportunity to become employed with. And then with that opportunity, I was a photographer, injured on the job, ended a lifelong career in photography. And that's what caused me to pivot back into uh, the world of IT and resilience. Yeah. yeah. Incredible journey. You know, all those different pivots and uh, different ways you look, look at things. And that's a great segue into today's topic of soft skills of understanding what kind of skills it takes to do those things and be able to do those things and be aware of how and what to do with those things. So why don't we start with the most basic question? What is a soft skill? It's a combination of skills. Um, I believe soft skills uh, rely on uh, transparent communication. So got to be able to express your ideas and concepts clearly also requires active listening. You know, communication is a two-way street. We can talk, but also it requires listening. And I prefer to listen first before talking um, when it comes to using a communication skill, being empathetical with how we communicate to not be harsh and and so direct or off-putting with our communication that it turns people off. I'm a huge believer in the idea of radical candor, which is to challenge Oh, gosh, of course, I'm going to totally forget this, well, what it means. But it's more or less <laughs> you, where you challenge people directly. You have that transparency. You have that candid conversation if there's something going on where you cut through the fluff. But when you have to challenge, you can also challenge that you know personally where you're not necessarily doing that in a public uh, area and maybe causing embarrassment or bringing hi highlights to things that weren't appropriate amongst a larger group. But for me, radical candor has been, uh, you know, one of the key communication skills. I also look at uh, soft skills as leadership skills. 
you know, a lot of times, especially in continuity and resilience, we're a team of one, but we have to get buy-in from leadership. We have to turn those naysayers in the organization who look at us just, you're giving me more work to do when I'm already overburdened. And we have to lead them through that and, you know, be that positive leader that they need to help them achieve the goals that they need to, as well as you need to, and the organization needs to. I also look at soft skills as teamwork. Again, a lot of times in resilience, we're single-threaded, we're a team of one. But again, when it comes to crisis or plan activations or disaster recovery, we're there leading the organization or segments of the organization through that adversity and getting people to work together to solve a common problem. Um, just like I look at teamwork, when I go into a, a new organization, I look at payroll first. Um, payroll being the most successful employee retention program any organization runs. And when things get real, we need to make sure payroll is always running so we can get the sense of teamwork. People aren't going to show up to work just because it makes them feel good. You know, this is a still a transaction. You know, we need to make sure people are compensated accordingly. And the organization wants to ensure that they'll show up in those worst of times. So keeping that flow of payroll going is absolutely critical to organizations. And it helps do, and it does really build some teamwork. I also believe with soft skills where you have work ethic, you know, being reliable, responding to those emails in a acceptable time frame, whatever that means to <laughs> you, <laughs> um, but also being disciplined in your, your work, you know, to a point where project managers were taking things from inception to completion and tracking it along, making sure stakeholders are doing their due diligence, poking the bear or the organization when it needs to, when it's not being necessarily uh, effective. Also with soft skills, we have to be adaptable, especially in resilience. When we wake up each day, we never know what is really going to be there for us, whether it's a hurricane, a wildfire, a natural disaster, workplace violence, an active threat, whatever the uh, adversity du jour is that day, we have to be adaptable. We're going to start one day, maybe, oh yeah, I'm going to do plans for the this department. No, you're not. You just had a crisis. So you're going to pivot and figure it out. Um, so that's the adaptability part. And then we have interpersonal skills. Being able to build relationships with diverse individuals, one of the things that I love the most, I seek out the naysayers. Uh, it reminds me, I have a former business partner. It's uh, to say a sale starts at the word no. And we're constantly selling something. We're selling, you know, the... Uh, resilience programs of the organization, personal resilience, how to pers persevere through crisis and different moments in life. And uh, we really need these interpersonal skills to build those relationships. So when things get tough, we can leverage those. So we have effective lines of communication so we can trust and rely on each other. Um, and then for me, the last part of uh, soft skills is cultural awareness. So DEI type efforts, understanding cultural differences, working well with people from various backgrounds, because we work with everyone from the, the C-suite down to a broom pusher and everyone in, in between. And each one of them is just as important to the organization. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would say that broom pusher is a lot more important than that CEO, because I know when I need to get access to a building or figure out you know, the, the latest chatter of going on in an organization, going to the, the custodial staff and other uh, team members like that are really crucial because they understand the organization. They are so interconnected with it. 
Uh, so those uh, cultural awareness does matter. And if you're managing international teams, you're going to have customs and differences too that you need to be sensitive to that you really need to take in consideration with how you communicate, how you build skills, what might be acceptable for you and your culture might be unaccess- uh, unsuccessful or look differently in other cultures where you could really start off on a wrong foot by saying something that's okay to you and not to them. I like that point you just made about um, quote unquote broom pusher. Uh, I I had a, a previous life worked in the, the hospitality restaurant industry for many, many years. And I always said the most important person in the restaurant was the dishwasher or utility or whatever they call that position these days. I said, how long do you think you're going to last if somebody isn't cleaning the dishes or the pots or whatever the case may be? I said, very, very short time frame. Uh, I said, if that person's not there, I said, so they're one of the most important people there, you know, and I, I tried to treat everybody that way, you know, in that industry. So that that's a, a good uh, example that you gave there about the broom pusher and the janitorial staff. Yeah. They are right. just as important. Yep. When I had worked for the school district during COVID, our facilities managers were absolutely crucial in getting buildings stood back up after impacts from COVID where they'd have to disinfect and all those nefarious things that they would have to do. They put themselves, you know, exposed to potential COVID into a classroom and they would have to disinfect it by hand and all, all those. And it also reminds me when I was desk side support and I would need access to rooms the facilities manager, they had the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. So I always knew they were my point person. They knew everything about the building that I needed to know. And I know they would be the, they're the first ones there in the morning and the last ones out at night. So they get the gist of everything that goes on. And they're so, so important uh, when I plan, because I know they'll be the first ones on site. Why do you think there is such a big push now for soft skills for because for so many years, the push was understanding code and being able to rebuild the server or um, sales, you know, some whatever the case may be. But now there is a big push for people to understand and leverage soft skills. Why do you think that's uh, really taking uh, a bigger uh, uh, focus for leadership? And even if you're not only a leader, you know, but uh, a big push for soft skills now. Right. Um Regardless of what your title is or what your duty is, soft skills are absolutely crucial. And I think, you know, they've been shown a spotlight ever since COVID. It's potentially just like resilience uh, might be one of the a good output of COVID. One, it showed the importance and resilience of how it can help organizations survive adversity like, you know, global lockdown, supply chain disruptions and all those good things. But when it comes to soft skills, you know, we were segregated for a long time during COVID with lockdowns and, you know, being exposed and to a point society kind of lost its collective mind. And I, I'm still wondering if it's still reeling back from that. And we forgot how to communicate with each other because we lost those face-to-face interactions for a while. And not saying face-to-face interactions are the only way that we can use soft skills. We're using it right now and we're doing this remotely. Um, but soft skills, being able to talk to somebody, to be able to hear somebody. And I guess I, I got those confused again, but hear somebody first before you talk, learn to understand, learn to know, or, or, you know, in my mind, I look at it, 
you're a person just like me. You have some adversities and struggles, challenges and opportunities just mm-hmm. like me. We're people. We're trying to do a very common thing with common goals. So why don't we just be nice to each other, figure it out, talk through it. We can agree to disagree. I'm not going to try to change your views on things, but what I'm going to do is share what my views are on things, the why of what I'm doing, and why I believe you should be helping me in doing this as well. So developing these soft skills, being able to build relationships with people, to work through adversity when we disagree or when we have challenging circumstances. You know, I think of the wildfires in, in Maui and uh, the, the hurricanes that are going through Florida and the, the new hurricane coming up the coast. Um, and those are going to be challenging situations. And if we're not using soft skills during that, when we have those tense moments, how are we going to possibly solve something? You know, if we have shortages uh, in generators and plywood and bottled water and food and transportation and fuel, well, yelling and screaming about it doesn't solve it. Mm-hmm. It just exacerbates the issue so much more to where we can't possibly see clear. And that's the same with how we communicate each day and how we interact with each other professionally and personally. If we use emotional intelligence, be empathetical uh, in our communications and how we perceive things and just realize that everyone's got a, we're in a common goal of, hey, we're going to survive. We're going to do best. Society is going to grow. You know, we all have this common goal and it's really important that we just take a breath, hear the other side, and then find a path forward together. You got me thinking about something there when you were talking about, uh, you know, us being remote and, you know, different ways of interaction. Now, do you think uh, social media is causing a challenge for developing soft skills because we are so surrounded by social media posts, whether it be uh, Facebook, X, uh, formerly Twitter, um, and so many other things, news and, and anything. And that sometimes we see so much negativity that it's hard to develop the soft skills, which we need to be uh, in a positive frame. Do, do you think that's uh, causing some of the, challenges that we're having with soft skills now? For sure. One, our, our people are jumping to conclusions and taking what's on the internet as factual. And, you know, just like in, in newspaper and print, just because it's in print or on the internet doesn't necessarily mean it's real. That is some person's perspective and objective. And we have to consider the source. Social media is both a blessing and a curse. Like in my household, I have two children, uh, 11 and, and 12. They're forbidden from social media. They cannot participate in it. And my daughter hates me for it. But in the end, (laughs) it's for the best. Things happen, peer pressure. um, You know, with my daughter being so young, she's still developing, you know, who is she? How, How does she perceive herself in this world? And social media can give us unrealistic expectations and, and things like that. So I want to try to control that narrative as much as I can personally. Um, professionally, it can be great. It can also kill your organization. Uh, I had the absolute pleasure and joy of attending the MIT Crisis Management and Business Resilience course uh, back in July. And the the my biggest takeaway on it is control the narrative. If you're not controlling the narrative, somebody else will gladly do that for you. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to social media, whether they're 
talking about your organization or whether your organization's engaging in social media, that's all about controlling the narrative and the perception of what your organization is and what it might be about. If it's, you know, because of crisis or resilience type activation, well, we're going to have considerations around that too. And social media can blow that up. Um, as we see with our election cycles, we have that fake news, we have, you know, um, adverse uh, actors in there, not adverse actors. Eh, anyways, um, adversaries uh, in there trying to uh, corrupt our, our political process with uh, fake news, misstatements, and getting people to believe something that isn't necessarily true. And that's, again, one of the powers of social media. We can use it for good or, and we can use it for bad. Similar with AI, we can use it for good or we can use it for bad. Mm -hmm. And I think it holds a place in society, but I think it's kind of overgrown some of its usefulness to a point. Um, you know, I see the the trends with TikTok, all the this short attention span type things, and I question the val validity of that. And I see myself getting stuck in a cycle. Like, oh, I've got five minutes to kill. Let me watch a hundred videos, and you know, <laughs> and I get nothing in return for that besides my wasted time. I don't come out knowing anything better. In essence, I've turned off my brain so I can listen to rubbish. And uh, that isn't necessarily what I want out of social media. I, I looked at LinkedIn, which yeah, that that is interesting as well. It's no Facebook or X or uh, other social media type platforms, but there's, you know, interesting political interests on there. People posting pictures about, you know, a puppy that was injured or, you know, you have maybe an uh, uh, a bad actor trying to compromise your LinkedIn account so they can hurt your reputation and, and all those wonderful things. Social media, again, a blessing and a curse. It all depends how you want to use it and what mindset you go in with it. With social media and uh, soft skills, do you think it really comes down to our own self-awareness? In the end, we're the cause of and solution to the problem. It, it Social media doesn't necessarily post by itself. Well, that's kind of not a true statement. You can use AI and bots to create content and create engagement, but in the end, it took a person to stand that up. You know, just like I look at resilience and DR events, we could have that smoking hole in the ground. Still need the people to show up to try and fix it, to continue pushing the organization forward. So to me, I look at things on social media. Yeah, those were people's thought processes. They they had an objective behind what they posted, and they're trying to, you know, invoke some sort of reaction, whether it's a negative reaction or a positive reaction. Um, so yeah, there's always intent with it. We aren't mindless quite yet. And I guess if we if we're not self aware of our own um, empathy and our own uh, way of behaving and how we react to situations you know, controlling our soft skills, then we could go off on tangents ourselves. Right. And trust me, I, I'm known for going off on tangents and just going <laughs> off the rails. You know, I, I need, uh, you know, bumper uh, bowling bumpers or guide rails at times. And uh, I, I've not always been one for the gift of gab, but personal adversity uh, changed that for me. Um, but yeah, we go in, we use emotional intelligence. What are we trying to get out of it? What are we trying to invoke? And how are we going to respond? And uh, yeah, there's always intent and purpose with any social media posting. If we're looking at personal, it might be portraying a certain lifestyle that may not be existing. So you're creating a false narrative for an organization. It may be trying to brush over that last uh, ransomware attack that happened. I'm looking at you, Dish Network, um, where, you know, get in front of it, own it. 
be transparent about it. Bad things happen. We're not immune to it. And in the end, if we can be transparent in that communication, we can start owning that narrative instead of letting somebody else own it for you. Still looking at you, Dish Network, you've not done a great job with being really transparent on your uh, cyber or your ransomware. Um, (laughs) On the upside, they got out of it. They paid the ransom. But where's the communications around it? How do their shareholders feel? What does the executive staff feel? How about we just be real, own our problems, own our adversity, and let's work together to solve it? Yeah. On that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We're talking with Jason Haas today about soft skills and resilience, and we will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in for And Security for All, hosted by Kim Hakem. Each week, we look into a different aspect of cybersecurity, which is important to know for anyone who is involved with the Internet daily, which is probably all of us. We take the technical jargon and make it easier to understand while helping you to identify weaknesses and issues in your own cybersecurity and fix them now. And Security for All is broadcast live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on Finding Certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Jason Haas about soft skills and resilience. Jason, great first segment uh, we talked about there with uh, you know what soft skills are and help define uh, what some of the characteristics are. Now, my question for you is, how do we go about developing our soft skills? Well, the great thing is soft skills can be taught and we can learn them. It's not something that we're naturally gifted with. Um, for me personally, 
I was an introvert. I'm a recovering introvert. And I still find myself very much an introvert in like large groups where I don't know a bunch of people. I'll be that wallflower. And uh, I struggle with that. And that's something I'm still working on. But for me to develop soft skills, one, practice active listening. This time I started with listening. You know, make that comfort or uh, <clears throat> conscious effort to carefully listen to others. Are you giving yourself the opportunity to hear them? And, you know, in the end, a lot of us just want to be heard. Uh, so practicing that active listening, seek feedback. You know, that's one thing I, I do very active in a lot of my meetings and my one-to-ones is I want to know the good, bad, and ugly. Because if you're not helping me, how am I ever going to know? I'm too close to it to realize where I may need some development or some feedback. Did I do good? And just telling somebody, you're doing a great job. That's not feedback. That doesn't help anyone. But you could say, you know, in this time when you wrote this email, it, I felt the tone was so-and-so. And maybe that wasn't what you were aiming for. Okay, you take that back. Use your active listening. You heard that feedback. Now, what are you going to do with it? Um, also, you know, sometimes in those large groups of being observant, looking at people, see how they interact, how they conduct themselves with other, look at the body language. You know, do you have those arms crossed or are people out talking with their hands being really animated? You can learn a lot just by looking, by observing and seeing how others interact with each other. Um, also, another way is to join team projects. You know, we're better together. So many times, again, in resilience, we're a team of one and we feel alone in the, the ocean of resilience. And it's like, okay, I need a paddle. I need help. I need to interact with others. You know, because again, if we're just by ourselves, all we have is our own thoughts and our own perceptions of what we're doing. So joining projects or, you know, teaming, partnering with people really helps bring, you know, broad perspective to what we're trying to accomplish. And you can, again, use active listening to hear those dissenting facts so you can take a course correction if needed. Would that um, be net, like networking? Yeah, yeah. So I would say that would very one, much. You can create a team if you're networking. Right, right. And also just like on LinkedIn, building your personal brand, you know, that's another way of kind of joining a team. You're you're trying to gain followers so you can talk about things that are important to you and engage your followers around that and you create value with that. You know, that'd be another way of networking and partnering and team projects. Also taking on leadership opportunities. Now, we can call that other duties as assigned or defined and things like that, but you know, leading when they're is absence of leadership. You know, sometimes, you know, if you're in an incident and you're looking around the room and nobody's, you know, jumping up saying, ooh, ooh, I want to be the point person. Well, then that should be you, you know, that you sometimes need to be bold and put yourself out of your comfort zone and take those opportunities to lead. Um, you never know what that'll potentially uncover. Somebody's going to notice it. Somebody's going to practice that active listening and hear what you're saying as you try to guide the group. They're going to, you know, be observant. How are you acting? How are you interacting with people, especially under, you know, adversity and different stressors? Um, so take on those opportunities to lead because you never know what will come out of it and you'll have personal growth as well. Um, develop cultural awareness. You know, 
educate yourself, read those books and articles about different cultures. You know, if you have different cultures within your organization or in your personal life, get to know them, get to understand them. You know, they're all unique and wonderful in their own way. And if you just take that time, again, active listening, seek that feedback, ask questions, you know, be a little bit more bold and kind and empathetical about it. You can really learn a lot and get a deeper appreciation for the cultural awareness. Um, I can ask a question. Uh, yeah. I'm sure some listeners are probably thinking, so how long does this take? Great question. I, I feel I'm on uh, year 47, year 48 of uh, trying to figure this out. And I, I figure I've got another 48 to go. Uh, it's something, it's like painting a bridge. You're never done. We're always learning. We're always listening and we're always improving ourselves. I'm a huge fan of the idea of continuous improvement. We're never done improving, whatever it may be. And I, I look at myself I'm never done improving. Being on uh, this podcast is allowing me to grow personally. And it's like, okay, I get to talk about something I'm passionate with or, or, or and somebody who has similar passion for the industry uh, and what we do. It's like, okay, we, we just, we try to figure it out. We learn as we go. We learn as we grow and uh, it's never done ever yeah. <laughs> in my humble opinion. It's true. You know, it, we we can't just read a book and then all of a sudden we are uh, 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 compassionate, right, you know, towards other people. We have to practice it, right. Know what that really means. How to identify and, it and how to show it, right. And I hate to say it, we also need to make mistakes too. We're mm -hmm. far from perfect, and my career is built on missteps and mistakes, and that's okay. I celebrate those like they're wins because each one are a win. They allowed me to identify. I wasn't active listening. I, I didn't want to hear the other party. I already had made up my mind. You know, I'm going to wall myself off from others because I'm going to let that internal introvert really thrive. Um, you know, or maybe I'm insensitive to other cultures because it, maybe I made a, a bad joke in the workplace trying to form a relationship and just break down some barriers. You know, in the end, we're always learning. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that maybe not paint us in the best of light, but we need to own them. We need to celebrate them to a point. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're being like just really unkind, unprofessional, things like that, well, those those aren't times to celebrate. Those are times for reflection and um, personal growth where you need to understand why did you do that? Why did you think that's appropriate? But yeah, it, it's all about that feedback cycle. Um, and, you know, obviously we take on leaderships. We have cultural awareness. We also need to play through scenarios. I do a lot of introspection. It's one of my favorite things of walking my dog when I walk my dog um, is I get a chance to reflect. I don't bring any music or any distractions. It's me, the dog, and every the noises around me. And it gives me a time to reflect on the good, bad, and ugly of things that I've done. So I play myself through scenarios, the what ifs. What if I would have said this or made this decision? And uh, oh, I went down that rabbit hole now. Well, you just you work through those scenarios to develop yourself. Um, also, again, we expand our network. Again, that goes in with networking where we can you know, expand our professional and personal network to enrich us, enrich ourselves. Um, also, I'm part of enriching ourselves. Professional development is absolutely massive. Um, if again, if we're not growing, we're dying. Uh, so what type of skill set are we looking for? What is going to make us whole 
for me, it was that MIT uh, crisis management business resilience course. That was a bucket list item for me for professional development because it gave me a totally different perspective with industry leaders from around the world. And I got to meet some great people in that uh, journey. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, And, you know, that enriched myself, professional development, and I can bring that back to my organization and apply that skill set. I'm also a huge fan of a mentor. I think we all need one, both in personal and professional. Uh, We need that sounding board. It's a safe place where we can talk about those challenging topics and it's going, oh, this person really frustrated me. And this is how I responded. How could I have done better? Because it's hard to break that down with the person that you're having that adversity or that struggle with, because you're you're both kind of most likely dug in. You both have really strong feelings about why you're right and they're wrong. And that mentors that safe place where you can break it down and then you can call you out when you need to be. You know, my I've been called a knucklehead many a times, and I'm thankful for each one of those because I heard that and I didn't necessarily like it. So that caused me to have that introspection to make me look at. What did I do wrong? How can I be a better human? How could I have, you know, maybe positioned myself differently to invoke a different response? Did I come in just, you know, like the a bull in a china shop thinking I know everything? I know nothing. I need to make sure I'm actively listening to that person. And that mentor really helps guide me in all of those things to develop those skill sets, to call, call me out when I need to be called out and just to to be that safe place to talk about challenging things. So that's an interesting point. And I I just want to add to what you were saying. When I started doing these podcasts six years ago, uh, it was people were telling me, at least when I got started, oh, you were the subject matter expert and you'll get guests. And I realized very quickly, it's like, no, 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 I am not the subject matter expert. I'm not the star of the show. The guest is. They're They're the subject matter expert. And that's when I started to say less and let other people talk more. Um, it, it it really made a big difference, and it still does. Right. Uh, and that's where that active listening comes in, where when things get maybe hitting those guide rails or off the rails, where you can kind of nudge it back, but allowing people to talk, it's amazing what you can uh, learn when you listen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love it. And, you know, sometimes people show a different side of themselves that may be not so great because you've allowed them the opportunity to talk and, you know, get lost in their own thoughts and go down rabbit holes. And uh, it's very interesting when you just sit back and observe and engage when necessary. Uh, You learn a lot about a person or a company or a product or whatever it might be really, really quick. Sometimes that can be fun going down rabbit rabbit holes. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So these soft skills that we've talked about now, how does that contribute to uh, an organization's resilience uh, or and in the workplace? How does uh, soft skills really contribute there, the benefits? Well, it can help um, build, influence, enhance culture. And culture um, really matters to me from a resilience. I, I, I love organizational resilience. I get operational resilience. That's just as crucial to but organizational resilience is, you know, really an application of those soft skills. How can we use those soft skills to enhance the culture, to make sure when that adversity strikes that we can get them to show up? If you have a, an organization that is overburdened, underpaid, and just not happy, well, when adversity strikes, who's going to pick up that phone when you call? 
And when they do pick up that phone, how are they going to respond to you? It would probably be a deep sign going, what do you want? I'm a, it's Saturday morning. <laughs> or ignore <Yeah>. you. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. That's what caller ID is for. Um, <laughs> so it's using those soft skills to help influence culture, to know that people aren't alone, that they have been heard. And, you know, it can be hard from a resilience perspective because we're not necessarily part of the C-suite and culture starts at the C-suite and is influenced and enhanced by the C-suite. Because if you have um, your team members influencing and enhancing culture, I, I look at that more of a mutiny when it comes from the bottom up instead of the top down. Um, but we can use those soft skills to make sure people are heard, to make sure that we show our appreciation for efforts and that, you know, for each person and respect them for who they are. Um, we also need those soft skills in learning how to communicate. Communication is another massive pillar uh, of any organization. Organizations that struggle with communication struggle to be successful. They'll struggle with uh, team member retention. They'll struggle with hitting their financial objectives. They'll just simply struggle. And when adversity strikes, they very well could fail because if they can't communicate in the best of times. How are, how are they going to do it in the worst of times? Because it's only exacerbated by crisis and adversity. So, you know, we, we use those soft skills to try to let people know, one, it's okay to not be okay, that it's okay to communicate. It's okay to speak your truth. It's okay um, to take time for yourself. It's okay to say that you need help. And we want to communicate through these things because all crises start with a communication, with a communication, usually in a communications bridge. You know, we can't start solutioning if we don't understand what we're experiencing. So we need to bake that into the culture um, of the organization to know that we should be, you know, have that radical candor to call things out, to be transparent in our communication, to own our failures and to be okay to fail as hard as it may be. And as maybe the outcomes aren't so great, could be a resume generating, generating event for you, you know, depending on what that failure looks like. But in the end, it's going to be okay. I think people forget that. Two two points. One, that what you just said. I think people are afraid to fail because others see failure as something negative rather than an opportunity to learn. Right. And, you know, if you're in the IT space and you test in production, well, that's not an okay failure. You know, we don't test in, in production per se, but you know, we have our different environments that we can test different concepts are that where it's safer to fail. Well, sometimes we do have to test in production because there is no resilience to a system and things like that. And, you know, that's guided sometimes by hopes and prayers, which isn't the best path to resilience. But, you know, in the end, we have to know, we have to be okay with some level of failure because out of that, you'll get a lot of growth. And if you support your team through failure, they're going to remember that, that you weren't that harsh punitive leader or that harsh punitive team member, you know, adding insult to injury in the worst of times going, oh, you could have done better. Why'd you do this? That's not so smart. Give them space. You know, they know that they, they misstepped, allow them growth, give them honest, constructive feedback, lift them up, you know, nobody likes to fail, but it's all part of it. Like I said, my career is built with failures. I, I, I could, you know, my resume could have a list of them. I, I got to where I am by different types of failures. And again, 
we have to be okay with that. If we don't allow ourselves to fail, we'll never allow ourselves to succeed. Yeah, I think that's a, a key thing to an understanding when someone does fail that it's, you know, like I said, it's an opportunity. It's not the end of the world. It's like, okay, you, you tripped, you know, pick yourself up and keep going. Right. You know, it, uh, and in resilience and DR, this is why we run hot washes, postmortems, after action reviews, call it whatever you will. It's to review those, you know, failures and to find a way, could have we done better? Probably, but also maybe not. And that's okay. But we're taking the chance to talk about the successes and the failures of an event. And, you know, that can very well apply to personal as well. You know, there's certain things that I say that you know, I'll have that uh, after reflection or you want to take my dog for a walk going, ah, that's not such a great thing that I said, you know what? I should reach out to that person and, you know, own it. And that's okay. Whether they think it's okay, that's different, but you have to also be okay with it on your side saying, Hey, I screwed up. I'm, you know, misspoke, or maybe I said something that I, I shouldn't have own it, apologize, find a way to work through it, that person will most likely appreciate you a lot more for being honest. And that comes back to the soft skills of being, you know, uh, being self-aware to be able to do that and recognize that uh, taking that time, like you said, like you do walking the dog to recognize, oh, there was a mistake there. I made the mistake. Um, it wasn't, you know, Betty who did that data analysis uh, report. I didn't give her the right requirements, you know, right. It, you know, it, it could be could be that, and it's understanding instead of turning around and uh, you know blasting Betty. You know, you did a terrible job or whatever. It's no, it's me. I I didn't communicate correctly, right? Or I came in with preconceived notions. I had my mind mm -hmm. made up before I ever listened to the person because I've seen this a million times. No, you haven't. You haven't seen it that time. You haven't seen it with that person. Again, go in with an open mind. And uh, practice those wonderful soft skills, active listening, you know, be the leader when a leader's not present, find a way to always prevail. In the end, we're all people. We all want to, you know, be heard. Most of us want to be loved. And, you know, if we can bring some of that to people and be compassionate and use those soft skills to know that, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, we can achieve amazing things. Just like uh, in my elevator pitch, when people ask, what is resilience? I'm like, well, if you have ever been in an adverse event, let's say a house fire and you're outside, you know, and it's cold out, chances are you're going to have emergency services bring that blanket to wrap around you. That blanket is resilience. Um, it's not necessarily going to fix your problem or solve it, but it allows you comfort and time to reflect and work through those challenges. You know, you come outside of a house fire, you lost all of your possessions. That's a traumatic event. But that moment of where that emergency service or, or service uh, personnel puts that blanket around you, well, that's a, a tide change right there. Now you know you're safe. Things are going to be okay. You'll figure this out. You're not going to figure it out right now. Right now, it's all about healing. And that, again, is okay take comfort in that warm blanket and then give yourself, allow yourself time to reflect and figure it out. And that, to me, that's resilience. It buys organizations time to work through adversity, whatever that adversity might be. That's a good example. Uh, we have four minutes left, three minutes left, sorry. 
final thoughts or comments or, that you'd like to convey regarding uh, soft skills and resilience? Yeah, my final thoughts on this is, in the end, we're all all people trying to achieve some sort of objective. If we listen to each other, communicate clearly and effectively, be empathetical with each other, it's amazing what we can do as a society as a whole. We can start solving real challenges, not just in our organization. We might be able to solve things like, well, I don't know if we'll ever solve global warming, but we might be able to make an impact or a difference or try different things through that or work through political uh, type challenges and things like that. You know, in the U.S., we're extremely polarized in our political. But if you just listen, you might be able to have some great takeaways from it. So for me, that's the biggest thing with soft skills. Listen first before you make up your mind. And then, you know, from there, take action as you see fit. And I think uh, you, this is one of the other points I was going to make earlier. You you touched on it, that soft skills, these aren't just for us in the resilience industry. They're, they're for everybody. Like, regardless of your title, uh, where you are in the organization or what you do, everybody should be able to develop uh, their soft skills and, and use them accordingly. Right. I use it with my parents, my children. I use soft skills with my dog. You know, when she's barking at me, trying to, I'm trying to figure out what are you trying to tell me so I can help you, you know, and just using those soft skills to achieve a common goal. You know, it's like, I want my dog to go outside to use the bathroom, preferably not inside. So I need to make sure I'm actively listening because that bark is different when she really has to go outside compared to when she just wants to play or, or wants attention. And, it, you know, it, it's a horrible parallel, but it's the same with people. Um, you know, in the end, we all want to be heard. We all want to do the best that we can, and we need to enable each other instead of pushing each other down. And that's using soft skills. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to to end today's episode. Jason, thank you so much for sharing your uh, thoughts and expertise on uh, soft skills and resilience. I really appreciate it. A great chat, great ideas. And I hope uh, people were, as you say, listening. And if not, I would love to hear the good, bad, and ugly about about all of this. And uh, you can find me, of course, on LinkedIn is the best place to to let me know what you think about this. Um, and again, radical candor, you know, let let me hear it. You know, am I speaking fluff here? Um, do you not believe in this? Do you agree with it? Why do you agree with it? I would love to hear your feedback. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. You know, uh, especially when we talked about it, you know, it's for everybody. And it helps everybody in the end. So it'd be interesting to hear what uh, others say if they don't believe in it. You know, why? Right. That <laughs> could know. be another topic of a podcast here. It, it could be. You know, why <laughs> are you experiencing some of these things that you, you say? Right. You so, <laughs> <laughs> Jason, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. And thank you to all of your uh, subscribers. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, thank you so much for all that you do to support us in the industry and to showcase uh, thought leaders as well. I've learned so much uh, from listening to all of your podcasts. I'm better for it. Well, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We'll see you here next week.